The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. I just want to, before we get started this morning, I, I just want to thank those that have worked so hard to make this happen. We've had a lot of people working and uh, doing registration, worship team. Uh, so let's just give everybody a round of hand that, or a round of applause that have worked so hard on making this a reality. Um, it has been a great morning, and I really appreciate you all being out here. I'm glad some people at least found some shade over here, uh, figuring that out. But um, it's a beautiful, beautiful morning. Um, I really want to bring a word to you this morning that uh, addresses right where we are. And um, the reality is that the pandemic has exposed a lot. And so um, we're in this series that we've called Exposed, and um, we really need to go somewhere that's going to direct us in how to deal with um, trials and temptations um, and the kind of struggles that we're facing right now. And so I chose Psalm 46. If you have your phones or iPads or your Bible, go ahead and turn to Psalm 46. This is a psalm of David. It's a psalm that was written to a people that needed refuge, that needed healing, that needed escape, that needed power and strength over and above what they could muster up and produce. Um, They needed a place to go that was going to give them um, much more than anything in this world could ever give them. And so, uh, so let's go to Psalm 46 and, and hear God's very word. David writes, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Anybody need help in trouble? Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. And God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he's brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. But be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Dear Lord, we beg you this morning to come in a mighty way and to bring understanding. Father, to bring exposure. I pray, God, that by your spirit, you would rip away the the layers of self-confidence and pride, even self-righteousness that we have built up that we think is providing strength but it's really keeping us from the very source of strength and the very source of life, which is you. God, pierce us with your word this morning. Dissect us, O oh God. Dissect our unbelief. Dissect our skepticism. Dissect our doubts. Meet us where each of us are in this, on these beautiful grounds, Lord, and accomplish your will. 
We trust that you will do just that, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus, at the end of his Sermon on the Mount, said this. He, he, he gets to the end of this long sermon, and he says, He who hears these words of mine and ignores them or doesn't do them, doesn't act on them, is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. You see, Jesus was helping us in times like this understand that trials come, waves come, suffering comes, that we might do some analysis, that we might not just ignore it and try to survive it and cope, but that we might look down and say, what is my foundation? Is what I'm basing my life on really carrying me? Am I really flourishing or do I need to make a shift? You see, another way to say it is what I think Jesus is saying there is that we can build beautiful homes, the most energy efficient, beautifully decorated, well-furnished mansions or tiny houses, depending on your, uh, your taste and kind of where you are and what you dream about. We can build these beautiful houses on sand. And any house built on sand is a disaster waiting to happen. It's a collapse waiting to happen. And the reality is that none of us have built our house solely on the rock. You say, well, Richard, I'm a Christian. Why are, you, why are you talking to me like this? Because none of us, even and especially Christians, have the foundation of their homes 100% on the rock. And that's what's being exposed right now. I mean, that's the dissonance. That's the, that's the confusion. That's the, you know, the, the emptiness. That's, we haven't built our house on the rock in the good times, and therefore in these bad times... We're being exposed. The fractures in our foundation is being exposed. And so this is an opportunity for us this morning to take this psalm and to see how to build our house, how to, how to reposition our house on the rock as God, with, as our refuge, practically. I, I want to try to just break through all the Christianese and all the, oh, yeah, well, I, I trust Jesus. I trust He's my... No, I want to say, what is your functional trust? What is really carrying you? What is really supporting you? And the first thing we need to see is that trial and suffering do reveal the motivations of our faith. Not do you have faith, but your motivation for your faith. In other words, it's not just enough to say, yes, I, I believe in Jesus. But no, you've got to say, I believe in Jesus as the very foundation of my joy. As the very foundation of my life. And what we need to understand is that if we come to Jesus for anything other than that, then we've come to Jesus to make life work, not to be our life. Do you hear me? We've, we've come to Jesus to make life work, to, to take all the storms away, protect us from all the tragedies so we can really live the kind of lives and fulfill the kind of dreams that we have personally. And so what, what God does is he comes to us in the midst of... Um, uh, of a people that are struggling, and the scriptures are typically written to people that are struggling. There are very few people in times of real comfort and, you know, per per perfect lives. And, and yet, this is especially a time of war and so forth. And, and God doesn't say this. He doesn't say, therefore, we will not fear because God will keep the mountains from being moved into the, the sea. No, that's not what he says. He says, therefore, we will not fear 
though the earth gives way. Did you hear that? We will not fear though I get COVID. <laughs> we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, and though the mountains tremble at its swelling. The scriptures teach very specifically that not only are troubles and sufferings and, and, and trials, um, you know, not only can we as Christians experience that, but we will experience that. And so in the midst of that, what, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? Did y'all know that uh, the most often repeated command in the scriptures is this, be not afraid. Now, why? Why? Because there's a whole lot to be afraid of. <laughs> I mean, if you're living with your eyes open, there is a whole lot to be afraid of right now. We've got a pandemic going on, and we still don't understand this thing. I'm going to talk about my cousin that died a week and a half ago. No underlying issues, 57 years old, healthy as healthy can be. We've got a lot to fear. And on top of that, we have a civil rights movement happening in our midst there, there's an uprising, a, an upswell. There's, there's dissonance. There's, there protests, and and now we also are moving into a a hot, a very contentious presidential election, and we got all of that on top of just the normal stuff of our jacked up marriages, <laughs> of our dysfunctional family of all the trauma from our childhood or maybe even present trauma that we're trying to make sense of and working through, of our infertility, of our loss of job, of our, our poverty, our not being able to pay the bills, and just, get, you know, all of this on top of just normal life. This is a moment that we need to say there's a lot going on. And yet in this moment, what we see and what I really want to press on a little bit is I think, and I think the pandemic, you know, we can handle some stuff, but I think we're kind of overloaded now. And what the pandemic I think is really showing and all these other issues and all this other uncertainty is that anxiety is, is really what we're resorting to because we're, we're realizing that we are not, our faith in Christ is not as strong as we thought it was. Our, our, our faith is not as, as, as firm as we thought it was in our homes, our houses are not built as much on the rock as it is on the sand. And I'm, I'm bringing this up because I'm with you. I, I'm not bringing this up, I'm not going to talk about anxiety to shame anybody in this place or anybody here, because I struggle with anxiety. <laughs> I have been medicated at different seasons of my life over anxiety. So I'm not saying, look, if you're struggling with anxiety, you're not a Christian. No. I'm saying you're probably living with your eyes wide open. You know, you probably are understanding the, the weightiness of what's going on. But I want to help us to understand um, that bad things are going to happen. Try to maybe shake some of us that are still... Uh, just kind of moving through it without really acknowledging this is bad. This is bad. You know? Um, what's happening is not good. And to think about um, anxiety. 
because Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 34. He said, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And, and yet today, because of social media, because we can have, I mean, I can find out what's happening right there now any place in the world, probably in real time. I can know every tragedy, every malady, every pandemic, every death, every protest, every, you know, injustice, every, everything. That's what I'm exposed to right now. And I'm telling you right now, we were not built to, to carry that. The amount of information that we have today is too much. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble, and yet we're taking on not just sufficient for our day and sufficient for our own little lives and sufficient for Memphis and efficient for, you know, sufficient for Tennessee and the nation. and the, We're going to the whole world, and we were not built for that. And so it's too much, and where we go when we're not running to God as our refuge is we are running to be our own God. That's what anxiety is. Anxiety is making godlike predictions of tragedy. The reason that we're anxious is because we are believing a narrative, and it, it, we're believing it like it's God's word. The sky's going to fall. And in this pandemic, what it shows is it doesn't even have to be specific. We don't even have to, we don't even know why we are anxious. Why are you anxious? I don't know why I'm anxious. I'm just anxious. It's because we, we're in all this uncertainty and where we're running is not to God as refuge, but to self and try to make sense of it. And you can't make sense of this. Nobody can make sense of this. And so when we do that, when we get over here and we're sitting on God's throne and we're making these, you know, declarations, my life is going to end, I am going to lose my job, my children are not safe, my wife is not safe, my husband is not safe, I'm going to be single for the rest of my life, I can't even, you know, whatever the predictions are, it's like you have set down an edict and this is what life is, and it's not just some idea, your body is literally responding to that. Your, your brain is releasing um, cortisol, and which is killing your brain cells. <laughs> your body is releasing adrenaline, and so you can't sleep, and you're eating too much, and you're, um, or you're not eating enough, or you know you're over exercising. I, you know, we could go into that. You're, you're doing all these things to try to cope, to try to get through this, and you're tanking. And you don't even know why you're tanking. Well, this present moment um, should help us realize that practically the Bible has a lot to say. And, and the, the first thing that it, we need to see in the midst of, if we can really embrace and come to the reality, okay, I'm anxious. I'm anxious. The first thing we need to do is hear this. God is a certain refuge in the storms of life. Okay, Richard, that sounds real spiritual. That sounds okay. That's churchy. Of course you're going to say that. No. There is nothing more practical than what I just said. God is a hideout in the storms of life. As I mentioned a minute ago, a week and a half ago, my 57-year-old cousin Lee passed away from COVID. He is a believer, and his wife, Laura, is a believer. Their two grown children, Hannah and Ryan, are believers. And as we text, as we communicated, she would tell me, Laura, his wife, would tell me over and over again, God is the only one getting me through this. 
And I could tell that was not just religious jargon. That was reality. Because what she was saying was, God was getting me through taking my husband to the hospital, putting him in the care of other people, and not even being allowed to walk in the doors. God is my refuge and strength. God is my, my, my stronghold as I have to wait on a phone call every day, sleepless nights, wait for a phone call every day for the doctors to tell me if my husband has survived. God is a refuge when I had to take my oldest, my, my, my two children, my grown children, and put them in the car and us drive together to the hospital and sign the papers for them to take my husband off the ventilator. God is my refuge. And, and she was saying this not in some way to minimize her grief and pain, but to maximize the reality that God can be trusted he can be trusted. He can be trusted in these times because he genuinely is a refuge. He is strength. Whereas anxiety is the response of our bodies to godlike predictions of tragedies or negative outcomes, peace is also a whole body response to faith in God. It's a switch of the narrative. Hear me. What it means to walk by faith in Christ, what it means to see God as your refuge, is to functionally change the narrative that's going and playing over and over like a rerun movie in your head. To change that narrative from the sky is falling to God is the God who reigns over the sky. And as reality, as truth, the narrative of I don't understand and he's not going to tell me and nobody else is going to tell me the why. But I can trust him because he's good. How can I trust him? Because look at the cross. He, gave, he didn't even give up. He, he wasn't even willing to withhold his own son from me. He gave his own son. I can trust him. Do your theology. Do your narrative writing. The writing of your narrative at the cross, not at the foot of the pandemic. Do you see how practical that is? And, and, and so peace is the whole body, mind, body, soul experience of functional trust in God as faithful, good, and loving. The fruit of anxiety is worry, stress, hypertension, hair loss, insomnia, moodiness, and the like. And the fruit of faith is love, joy, peace, patience. Do you see that? I mean, when I'm, when I'm consumed about my life, all I can think about is me and my problems. When I'm trusting God, I can think about you. I can be of some good to somebody else. When somebody calls me or somebody texts me, oh, yeah, life is horrible. I'm done, you know. No, I can say, brother, I don't know what's going on, but I know the one that does. I mean, we, can, we literally can operate out of a different foundation. This is what God is saying. God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. See, I love verses 7 and 11. He repeats the same refrain. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He says that in verse 11. Then he says again, I mean in verse 7. Then he says it again. Oh, I need to say it again. Y'all didn't hear me. So he says it again in verse 11. The, the God of um, Jacob, or excuse me, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. 
And I love how Eugene Peterson translates that, those verses. He said this. He said in the message, which is his translation of the Bible, he said this. The Jacob wrestling God fights for us. It's not just the God of Jacob. He's saying what God wants us to hear is the Jacob wrestling God. And if you're not that familiar with the Bible, what that means is, is God came down and wrestled with Jacob for a period of time. And finally, Jacob wouldn't give up because that's our nature is to fight against God, not to give in to God. And, and so God finally wins the fight. You know how he wins the fight? He touches his hip and dislocates the puppy. <laughs> that's, I love that picture. That's all God's got to do. It's kind of like me fighting you know, against my four-year-old grandson. All right. Let's keep, yeah, wow. Woo, man, look at you. That's how it is. That's how we are against God. And all God's got to do is touch our hip. It's that God. But we have a God who's willing to touch our hip. Why? Because he wants Jacob to fall into his arms. He, just like I want my grandson to not fight against me to become, but get in my lap and let me love him. That's the kind of God that is walk, watching over us. He is the Jacob wrestling God. And he's also the God of the angel armies. That's the God that protects us. The Lord of hosts protects us. The Lord of hosts is over us. This, the Lord that is commanding a legion, thousands, billions of angels is the one that is telling you to find refuge in him. And yet, we get in these situations and we say, God doesn't love me. We get in these situations and we say, God must not be real. And God's like, I'm the realest thing you can possibly imagine. I am wrestling with you to come to me. I'm wrestling with you to show you my might and show you my strength. And all you must do is be still. And then thirdly and finally, God is a certain refuge in the storms of life. If you're underlying the first, the second point, God's a certain refuge Underline refuge. In this last point, underline God. God is the certain refuge. So God is who's being offered to you in the midst of this pandemic. And you say, eh, big deal. It's a big deal. Um, I have some more, uh, I have some friends, Kirk and Deb Atkinson, who 19 years ago entered in ad the adoption process uh, to adopt a little um, girl and uh, from a pregnant teenage, uh, pregnant teenager. And they built a relationship with her. It was a good relationship. They got the call, went to the hospital. She was in labor. She has the baby, and immediately the doctors can tell something is bad wrong with the baby. And they ended up realizing it's a terminal illness, and she's not going to live more than a few hours, days, maybe weeks. And so they went in and told my friends, Kirk and Deb, the doctors did, and they, the adoption agencies asked them if they wanted to go through with the adoption. And they said, of course, yes, yes, we want to go through. And so they took little Sarah home, and they had her baptized, and um, they, they loved on her and, and tended to all her needs, and six weeks later, she died. Um, last August 21st, just a few weeks ago, would have been her 19th birthday, and um, they are still celebrating what would be her birthday on this earth. Still. They are still loving this little girl. They are still parenting this little girl 19 years later. And I know if I went up to him and I said, hey, what would you give if you could have one more day with, with her? They, there's nothing they wouldn't give up. Nothing. 
And we know that. But why? Because that's the way love works. You see, I mean, I have loved cars. Some of the cars that I've had, I've totaled a couple. And none of the ones that I've loved that I've totaled would I give up much to go back and spend a day with that car. What is it about relationships? Friends, we are built for relationship. That's why this pandemic is so heavy. We are being deprived of the very thing for which we've been created, namely this. Being able to say, hey, how are you doing? This is why it's spreading, because we can't stay away from each other. Because this is what we're made for. We're made for this kind of interaction. This is why just worship, we could just go on and on this morning. We are made for this. Why? Because we're made in the image of the God who is relationship. He is the triune God. That sounds so irrelevant and impractical. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. Isn't that beautiful? I don't even know what that means, but I do know this, that the love between them, the mercy, the kindness, the gentleness, the submission, the headship, all of that, all of that is working is perfect and it's glorious and we are made in His image and there is a deep longing in our souls to, to bond with other people and to live in community of love and peace and encouragement and compassion and understanding. That's what we were built for. But even beyond that, we were built for relationship with each other, but first and foremost, relationship with God. Isn't that glorious? We are built for relationship with God. That is why God is, presents himself as a refuge. Christianity is, is not a set of rules. Christianity doesn't offer us a system or, or a systematic way to live our lives. Primarily, Christianity offers us a person, and his name is Jesus. You see, we are separated from God relationally. And yet, religion says, here's the law, now do it, and maybe. And yet, Christianity says, here's the law, and I know you'll never do it, so I'm sending my son. Jesus obeyed the law in my place. And then he became my sin. He was cursed for my sin. And therefore, by faith, simply resting in him, seeking him as my refuge, giving myself to him, what happens? He takes my sin and he gives me his righteousness. So that now God is my father. He sees me as his son. He sees you as his daughter. And nothing can ever separate us from his love. This is what is the beautiful reality of God as our refuge. This is the picture. Listen to this picture. I love verses 4 through 5. There is a river whose streams, and okay, are you Enneagram 4s out there? Are you artists? Let you, there we go. You let your brain, if you had your, write a song, write a poem, whatever you got to do. Here we go. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Do you realize he's talking about rivers and streams and this glorious city with God in the middle in the midst of a desert? <laughs> Do you think he doesn't want to stir the imagination of his people to go, yes, here is what I'm doing. This is how I naturally live. I, I choose the desert and I say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find the water for myself. And I'm just going to do No, I don't need your help, God. I'm just going to do this. When God is over here, and he is the river, and he is the source of the stream, and he's saying, what are you doing? All you have to do is come over here. 
All you have to do is live in me. All you get over here are pandemics and loss of jobs and all. But what you get over here is the hope of one day, someday, all of this being wiped away. They will wipe, Jesus himself will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more pain. That's why he gave us this table. He gave us this table that we might remember, that we might hold on, yes, the body, the blood of Jesus, because someday, one day, he's coming back, and he's going to end this mess. That's the hope that we have. God is in the midst of her. He offers himself, and how do we get him? Be still and know that I am God, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Again, religion says get busy. Christianity says be still and know. Be still and know. Are you being still and know? Literally, look at the, look at the, the practices of your life. Are you being still before God in his word? Are you being still before God in the midst of whatever you do? Are you being still before God in the morning and at night? I'm going to put a resource on our website and our, all of our social media outlets called the, the Daily Prayer Project. And it simply is a tool that we can use to take, take it to the Lord in prayer. <laughs> to, to literally not do it, not as some, okay, I do this and then God's going to bless me. No, so that I can experience the presence of who God is. God is the blessing of Christianity, not what he provides. God is the reward uh, for the Christian, because we were made for him. It's like finding your bride. It's like finding your husband. That is why we can, I can even use that illustration. He is the husband. We are the bride. We're the bride of Christ. He's the one you're looking for, looking for that husband. He's the one you're trying. If you're married, he's the one you're so disappointed your husband and wife is not. Oh, you had great hopes, but they can't even really satisfy your soul. Right. They weren't meant to satisfy your soul. There's only one who is. His name is Jesus. He is the husband. He is the one who can give you all. You see, 1 John 4, 18, perfect love cast out fear. That's what he invites us to this morning. That word fear can be anxiety. Perfect love. It's relational. We are relational beings and we need a relational answer. We don't need a stimulus package. Oh, it'd be good. I would love for all the you know, student debt to be wiped out. Can I get an amen? Amen. That'd be great. But that's not what we really need. It would help. It'd be a little bit of a refuge. Maybe a big refuge for some of us. But that's not what we really need. We need a God who is with us. And that's what God offers himself as. Do you know this refuge? Are you pressing your life in the direction of this refuge, friends? That is who is offered. If you have never received him, would you say yes to Jesus this morning? If you have received him and you need your heart utterly nourished in, in God as your life, as your foundation, repent. Name the things that you're running to, that you know you're running to instead of him. Name all your mistresses. God already knows them. Tell him, I'm running to food. I'm running to my, my personal beauty. I'm running to my intellect. I'm run, whatever you're running to, say, those are not good refuges. I need you. And turn back to him and experience the beauty of his presence and love. And may we be known as a people who take refuge, who hide out 
in God himself. Pray with me. Our great and glorious God, thank you. Thank you that you are our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. God, move our hearts and minds to you. And Lord, do a mighty work in us that we might be a people of joy in the midst of the storm. A people of love in the midst of the storm. A people of peace in the midst of the storm. Because our, the foundation of our homes are upon you. Teach us what it means, God. Move us to you in the intimacy that you have created us to experience through your son, Jesus, we beg. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we um, take this time to respond by bringing tithes and offerings to our glorious king, um, and you can do so. I think they've already announced that. We have baskets in the front and back, those green little buckets. But you can also give by uh, texting all lowercase downtown church to uh, 73256. But let's prepare our hearts to come to the table at this time as well.